please turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and also mark Romans, chapter 5. Galatians 5 and Romans 5. We're going to talk about the joyful Christian tonight. Fanny J. Crosby, there's probably a lot of people throughout Christianity today who have no idea who she is. Everyone here probably does because we sing the songs that she wrote. She wrote many spiritual hymns. She wrote a ton of God-glorifying poems and that's what she did with her life. Fanny J. Crosby was blind and I haven't heard this before and I don't know how to check up on it but the story I heard was that at six weeks old she had inflamed eyes and she went to the doctor and the family doctor put the wrong solution on her eyes and, and it blinded her at, at six weeks and for the rest of her life. Uh, whether that be the case or not, we know that she was blind and she grew up to a lifetime of writing, inspiring, uplifting, encouraging hymns and poems and I have a portion of a poem that she supposedly wrote at about eight years old and it was one of her first poems. I just have two lines from this young blind girl and she writes, Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. You know, she used the word happy, but, but more fitting and the deep definition of that word would be joy. You know, joy is a result of salvation. Joy tells us that the relationship that we profess with Jesus is genuine. Because joy is not something that you and I can create. It's a product of heaven and it is given to us by way of the Holy Spirit of God the moment He saves us and comes to indwell our lives. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, comma, Joy. That second fruit there is joy. So that's what we're given from heaven when we're saved. And we could go through several verses of command in the Bible of what we're to do with that joy. The Bible says to rejoice evermore. And in another one of Paul's writings, he writes to Corinth and he says, I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Paul says he has joy in the troubles of life that they are experiencing. Joy is an internal product of heaven and it's in the Christian 
and joy is not to be confused with happiness. Happiness is something that we experience when circumstances are agreeable to us. Happiness is a temporary experience of getting something we want, of getting something new, of getting a new suit, getting a new dress, getting a new car, maybe getting a new house. That will bring some happiness. Happiness happens when we like our outward circumstances in life. Joy is an experience and it is not caused, it is not changed by outward conditions. Joy doesn't depend on things happening that we desire to happen. Not everything happens that we desire to happen and we can actually be thankful for some of it. That doesn't connect with joy because that would make joy unstable. Happiness can come and go and be unstable. Joy is not unstable. Happiness depends on what happens. And we can't control things that happen. We can't make ourselves happy. The world has tried and this is something that we can't do. We can't do it continually for any length of time that's worth anything anyway. When that's what the world is out there trying to do. They are trying to make themselves happy and it's a dead end road because when hard times come, Happiness hits the road. Happiness isn't going to be around. It comes and it goes. It's an ongoing cycle. It's always been going on. Happiness can be a very unsteady thing. But joy? Joy is something that does not fluctuate. It does not disappear and then reappear. Joy exists in happy times and joy exists in times of hurt, in the hard times. Events of life change, they're up and down, but the Lord doesn't. And it's His joy that He gives us. Therefore, joy is steady. Joy is always there for us to experience. And we can obey the command to rejoice evermore because that joy is always there. You know, the Bible speaks of the joy of the Lord. And yet there is a name of the Lord that we shared in Isaiah 53, Man of Sorrows. The joy of the Lord, but He is a man of sorrows. Look, our troubles, they are going to have an impact upon us. But that doesn't mean that it breaks this joy that the Lord has given to us when He saved us. Joy is not rejoicing in what happens. Joy is rejoicing in Him. 
and we can always and are to always rejoice in God and He never changes and we always can do this. You know, we must be joyful to obey the Lord when you think about it. I know Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So love is going to be uh, the main springboard for obeying the Lord. But there's going to be joy in it also. There is a fuel of joy that we're going to have to obey the Lord. I mean, just think about it and, and confirm that yourself. When was the last time that you told someone about Jesus when you were down and out and your focus wasn't on the Lord and, and there was some depression, some downtime in your life and your way? Did you find yourself telling anyone about the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation? Our lives will not serve as a witness without words, if you will, if there is not joy in our lives. You know, David said in the 51st Psalm, in his Psalm of Repentance, when he changed his mind about sin and, and looked back to his Savior, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And after that it says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee. So after the joy he asked for was his commitment to tell someone about the Lord. So without that experience of joy in his life, he obviously wasn't doing that. When the Christian isn't joyful, there's no telling of Jesus the mighty to save. Joy is our fuel. It's fuel for our witness and it's fuel for our walk. Our lives are to be a life of service to the Lord. And the 100th Psalm says, serve the Lord with gladness. There is, I just can't picture right service to the Lord without joyfulness being in it. That is proper service to the Lord. The picture of service is the work, the worship, the witnessing of, of God with joy in our hearts, with this joy going forth. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Fuel for our walk is going to be the joy of God. You know, when we think about the life of Jesus, and when we talk about the life He lived on this earth, we often think about, well, the perfect life He lived, how He Went to the cross and he died for us, was buried and raised again. How throughout his life he had compassion on the multitudes. We've talked about that. And, and he, he shared truth and he, and he fed the people. And, and he comforted his apostles when he was going to ascend to heaven. And he said, the comforter is going to be with you. You know, we think about how Jesus fulfilled the whole law. So that leads into... Uh, many other things we could talk about. If Jesus fulfilled the law, by the way, he, Jesus was a tither. 
you know. And, and so I've heard, I remember the first time I heard that, and I'm like, wow, has to be, yeah. He fulfilled all the law. But we talk about all of these things in the life of Jesus. And you know what dawned on me that, that maybe I don't think about, maybe you do, but I haven't? The joyful life that Jesus lived upon this earth. You know he lived a life of joy if the word of God says rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. If this life is to be continual rejoicing, you know that Jesus lived a life of rejoicing. Stop and think about that. Our Lord and Savior lived a joyful life upon this earth. And when we talk about a joyful life. When we talk about the joyful Christian, we're not talking about having a smile plastered on our faces all of the time. It would be fake most of the time if it were all of the time probably. And you know, we're not talking about bouncing around all bubbly, but we're talking about the worship, the work, and our walk with the Lord it is not dreary. We do not dread it. It is not dead. We don't do this without desire. There is an energy that, that comes to us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what we do that steady through all situations is by an energy that we have been given from heaven and it's in connection with our joy and we desire to do it. Now I say we don't have smiles plastered all on our, on our faces as a definition of what this joy is, but that does not mean that there is not an outward expression of this inner joy that is given to us. Because there is uh, an expression of joy to be had, to be experienced in our lives. You know, when the man who led me to the Lord, I couldn't have conveyed this to you at the time, what was going on, but I saw this man and I knew of his many troubles in life and yet there was something flowing out of him and I wanted it. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was the joy of Jesus. I, I found it in Jesus when he found me and, and saved me, and, and, and it was joy, you know. And, and when we think about an outward expression, and, and as I think about the message this morning, and as we were taken back to the time when we were saved, when we were so outward with talking about our Lord Jesus, and so on fire, and so excited about it, you know... I don't think that that has to be the typical pattern. I think that's something we can continue throughout our lives. I, I was convicted as, as I was looked to, to, uh, to compare, you know, where I am today versus what that was like in this new faith that I had been given when I was made a new creature and chasing guys in the back of their bluebell trucks and I don't care who thought I was crazy. Man, that you look back and what, what wonderful passion that was when we were saved. Oh, may we, may we continue to keep that. The joy is our fuel. You know, what about fuel for our joy, though? 
That takes us to Romans chapter 5. You know, Pastor Stone has Hebrews chapter 12 that he refers to so much, uh, verses 1 through 3, and, and I guess for me, maybe it's Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. The very first time I ever preached one of our camps, that, that was the text, Romans 5, 1 through 5. But let's look at the fuel for our joy. I'll just read the first verse. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Making peace with God by faith in Jesus gives you and I a pure, cleansed, righteous standing before God. I tell you what, that is joy unspeakable and full of glory right there with what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Look, there is an effect of having a relationship with Jesus and it is being justified, having access to grace, placed in a righteous position, we're washed of our sins, our names are written in heaven. This means abundance of joy and life for you and I. And in Jesus Christ, we bear the fruit of joy. We have Peace with God through Him. That is fuel for our joy. You know, and as we think about this wonderful joy that we have been given by the Lord when He saved us, you know, there are things that would try to steal away our joy. You know, sin will steal away the Christian's joy. We must be careful because sin will steal our joy. We must be careful with our words because our idle words will cause our joy to wither. The, the robbing of our joy can take place by us and we must be careful with these things. You know, People choose the temporary pleasure of sin. And oh, what a robbery, self-robbery that is, of the eternal joy that God gives His children. The experience of eternal joy. The joy that we're going to experience in heaven, it's definitely going to be a different atmosphere, but we have a heavenly experience here on earth in the joy that God gives us. May we not rob ourselves of this experience. You know how we know we're walking in joy and how we identify this product of heaven that, that we have been given, that we possess, because others can't take it. Some people are trying to coast on happiness, and that doesn't last. But for the child of God, no one, no one else 
can rob you and I of our joy. It's something that we can do to ourselves, but someone else cannot take it from you. You know, by the way someone treats you, maybe, or by what someone says, they are denying their own joy. They are depriving themselves of the joy they can experience, but they can't interrupt yours. They can't touch yours. And, you know, and as we talk about this tonight, maybe there's a realization going on. Not, not to pour salt in our wound. It, you know, none of us have as much joy as we need. This is a needed message that, that we might have a greater experience of joy in life. But maybe for some of us, maybe a dozen of us, or maybe all but a dozen of us, you know, we, we realize and we detect here tonight that, that our joy is not where it should be. We're realizing maybe this evening we're not walking in the joy of the Lord. You know, that it has waned, that it is uh, off to the side. But there is good news for you and I because God restores joy in His children. I, I won't give details of some testimony, but I thought something was completely lost in my life at one time. And it was something very important to me. And I sat and I watched the Lord by His grace and by His goodness restore to me something I thought was never coming back. And it's the same way with the joy of the Lord. God will restore His joy to us. Again, what David said in the 51st Psalm, Restore unto me. His request to God in repentance was, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And guess what he did? He restored David's salvation, his, his joy of his salvation to him. He restored that experience of joy. He didn't, lose, he didn't lose joy. He didn't lose salvation. He wasn't experiencing that joy in his life. He robbed himself of joy because of some decisions that he made. But praise the Lord, there is a repentance. There is a changing of our minds by way of the Holy Spirit's conviction upon our lives. And we can come right back into the experience of the joy of the Lord. Praise God for what he did for David that we can see that he will do for you and I. You know, Pastor Stone took a line from me this morning. I, I would say that, but in all honesty, it's a line I got from him several years ago. And I get it. And that is the unsaved person, the lost person is not the most miserable person in this world. They have a miserable, torturing, hot eternity of suffering. But the lost person is not the most miserable person on this earth. It is the Christian who is not experiencing the joy of the Lord in their lives. That is the most miserable person there is. The Christian who is not engaged in the experience of the joy of Jesus. I tell you, we have made peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I was sent back to that day, that month, that first two years that I was saved. And I tell you what, we need, we need to consider this salvation and the peace God's given us. That's fuel for our joy. But there's also uh, fuel for our joy by way of a promise. It says right there in verse 2, and rejoice in hope. You know, our hope is not wishing or wanting for something with an anxiety of uncertainty of the outcome of it. That is not what our hope is. That's what hope is in the world. But our hope is a promise that, and it's not just for later. Praise God for the hope we have later. Praise God for that helmet of salvation which speaks to our future hope that we have. We thank God for that, that we know we have a home in heaven, that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, and if He's gone to prepare a place for us, He'll come again and receive us unto Himself, that where He is, there you may be also. Praise God for that hope. Look to that future when we're, when we're in the battles of life, we're, we're looking at the battle, but we're also looking at the future that God's prepared for us. We're in a battle, but God's won the war, and we have won the war, and we're going to be with glo- in glory with Him forever. And we rejoice in that hope, but there's also hope carrying us through this life. We have the promise, not only later, but now. And, and, and with this hope that we have, we can rejoice in all things, whether they are happy, whether they are heavy, whether they are hurtful, whatever the case. We can rejoice in all things because we know that God is always working for our good. All things work together for good to them who love God to, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So whether things are, are on the hilltop, whether they're down in the valley, all things will ultimately work for good. The world doesn't have that. It's our burden that the world would, would have Jesus and to be able to know this. This is a privilege and a possession that only the Christian has. We have the promise of hope and we rejoice in hope. We rejoice no matter what the external situation is because of what God has given us internally. We can live in confident expectation because of promise. And we rejoice in that, the Bible says. If every earthly possession of ours were lost tonight... We have the same rejoicing to do that we did this morning. And it's no different because it's not affected by anything outside. There's the same cause of rejoicing before our tribulation happened. Before this problem came into our lives. Let us live in the experience of this promise There's something else that I've never pointed out in these almost favorite verses of mine, along with others, and that is a pledge. Right there in verse 1, we see a pledge. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Salvation with God is through Jesus Christ and Jesus only. And as we know, Jesus is not finished with us when He saves us. He is doing a continual work, a sanctifying work in our lives through us, in us. And so Jesus is not only Savior, He's Lord. And we must pledge our lives to Him. We must be in surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, this is where all of this goes together. We, we've talked about the peace that we have in salvation. We've talked about the promise that we have. But we're not experiencing this without our pledge to the Lord. Don't get me wrong in what I said there. I'm not saying that the peace with God doesn't exist. It exists, but we're not experiencing it without that pledge to the Lord. It comes by way of pledge the experience does. And so as we consider this, as we consider this wonderful joy that the Lord has given to us, He's worthy of you and I pledging our lives to Him, of surrendering to Him. And surrender to God is something fully. You know, we sing all to Jesus, I surrender. Well, that's God's plan. That, that's, that's His plan for relationship with us, that we're fully surrendered to Him. But it may be tonight, as we're considering a fullness of joy that we want to experience, maybe we've got to ask ourselves, don't answer out loud, but, but, but ask yourself, is there an area of your life or is there an area of my life, I must ask myself, that I'm holding back for, from the Lord? And if I am, if we are, we're robbing ourselves of joy. You know, it's, it's kind of like my preacher friend, who I'm not going to tell you who it is, because I'm going to say something bad about him. At least uh, you, you might think it's bad, but you know, when, when people go to his house... He's kind of messy. He doesn't clean up when I go over. We know each other too well. But when church members go over, he's a preacher. He, man, he takes dishes and he puts them in the bedroom or something. And he takes clothes and puts them in the, and he shuts those doors. And man, the living room looks good. The kitchen looks good. The dining room looks good. Big open area. And so he invites everyone in and they, they, they come into this area of his house. He has one restroom prepared for them, but... The kids, everyone, you don't open the door to that bedroom or that bedroom or that bedroom. Come on in to this area right here. And that's it. And if we do that with God, if we are compartmentalizing in such a way, if we have rooms in our life and we're not giving Him the key to those rooms then we are robbing ourselves of the joy that God has in store for us. Someone says, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, He isn't Lord at all. It is all or nothing. He does require first place in our lives. I say we give Him the key 
to every room of our lives tonight. I say we see that, that we don't want to hinder ourselves from this eternal joy that we have now. Or maybe if we see that we have hindered ourselves from this joy, if we have had an area of our lives that, that we have wanted God to have no part of, that we just give Him that key tonight, that we surrender our lives to Him. You know, if we have lost our joy, praise the Lord, we can get it back. We can change our mind about these things and we can turn to the Lord and, and we can give it, get it back. It, it may be that even in this very moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting us of, of something. Something's coming to our minds and maybe we didn't think it was so bad. But it, and maybe it's not even sin or didn't start that way. It's just time consuming. And it has just grown in such a way that it's pushing the most important out. And it not only hurts the heart of God, it robs our lives of joy. But the Lord loves us so much that He would have the Holy Spirit to convict us and to bring to our minds what we can turn around from, what we can turn away from and turn to Him with. How amazing is it the chances that the Lord gives and the way that He forgives you and I. There's forgiveness for us tonight. There is fuel for our joy. And it lies in the Christian's pledge. God's already given us peace. We have promise. Well, we pledge our lives to Him so that we can experience the greatest measure of joy that the Lord has for us tonight. But you know, there, there may be others here tonight. Who knows? And, and, and joy for you, it, it just can't happen yet by way of, of this peace. It hasn't happened. You don't have a promise you can't pledge to the Lord what you need to fuel joy for the very first time in your life is a person. It's a person that you need for this, for this unspeakable joy. You maybe have mistaken joy with happiness that you've experienced. Maybe you've, you've seen this happiness and you've, you've experienced some happiness and you've went to people, you've went to places, you've went to things in this world. And, and I know the secret about that for you tonight. And that is they've disappointed and they've let you down. And it doesn't stick to your ribs, if you will. It doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. It's... It's the devil's best kept game and in secret, and he keeps playing that game over and over. Solomon, even in all of his wisdom, he used it, and he, he tried the things of the world. And it did not do anything. He called it basically cotton candy, like a puff of smoke in the air, and it was all gone. But when you come to a person... There is no suffering of disappointment for you. There's good news for you tonight. 
if all you've experienced is happiness, a temporary pleasure, because there is eternal joy for you this evening. Having your sins forgiven, having the peace of your eternal destination known, and that is with God, for sin to start losing its power in your life. I find that so interesting. Here we are, here we were dead under the penalty of sin and Jesus paid for our penalty. But the power of sin had just consumed us. We were no match. There was no battle going on. We were children of the devil. And then Jesus saves us. And we start getting victories over the power of sin. Oh, don't you hate that stuff? Don't you hate what it does to our lives? But praise the Lord, He starts giving us victory. We're, we're going to be out of the presence of sin for eternity. The war's won. But in the battle, we start having victory over that power of sin that's over our life. If you're here tonight and you've never had this joy, you need a person. You need personal faith in someone the only one who can take you to heaven, the only source of joy, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, to know purpose in your life like never before. And look, as I say this and as I talk about all these promises, if He never did anything but save us from the penalty of sin and assure us a home in heaven, that is good enough. But the promises that just shower to us out of God's word and his goodness and the things that he does for his children, that's for you tonight if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But, but first and foremost and the most important thing is your pardon from sin. Your free pardon from sin because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. And children of God, may we know tonight that there is joy for us no matter what we face. In every place, in every situation we find ourselves in, the joy of the Lord is not leaving. It is there for our experience. And you know, this isn't just an extra perk. To be a joyful Christian. title of the message is The Joyful Christian. That's not just to be some perk and, and some elite place that some Christians get to. That's necessary for every single one of us. We can't truly live for the Lord without it. Because we're commanded to be joyful. It's not an extra. It's a command to rejoice. Um... You know, I started out with a poem, which I, I guess if I believe what I read, it was from eight-year-old Fanny Crosby, and we know her. And I have another poem here tonight that we'll close with from a senior in high school, a, a 17 or 18-year-old girl. Maybe this was about 40 years ago or so. Not, not one that's known, just a young Christian lady. And this is what she wrote on this subject. 
joy through my teardrops and gains through my losses, beauty for my ashes and crowns for my crosses. He binds up my wounds and he dries all my tears, calms every storm and he conquers my fears. He gives me hinds feet to walk on high places. He floods my soul with his heavenly graces. When I'm weak, then his strength makes me strong. I know I can trust him. He has never been wrong. Trials may come and temptations assail me. Though I may falter, he never will fail me. So Satan, I bind you in his holy name. For the cross, Jesus' blood overcame. When the doubt comes, when I'm lonely, when my heart is sad, I'll lift up my eyes to my Savior above, and Jesus will make me glad. She got it. This young teenage lady right here, she got it. In the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our pains and troubles, there is the joy of the Lord for our experience. It is our strength. It is going to take us through the hard times. It's going to be everywhere we go. And the difference in what the difficult things look like and, and, and the experience of them when the experience of the Lord's joy is there in our lives. We, we have success in that. We are, we are blessed with that. We are blessed with the joy of the Lord. And, and I don't know what, it, what you may be going through tonight. I don't know if things may be excellent for you. Praise the Lord and thank Him for His joy that we always have access to as a child of God, that He's put within us. But if you're here tonight, and all you've known is an unstable, up and down happiness that comes and goes, and, and, and you can never hold on to anything. with There's nothing sure there. There's nothing stable there. There's nothing that gives you a moment of, of future whatsoever. It's not surprising, that's what the world gives. But, but may you come to the joy of the Lord tonight. May you come to His eternal salvation and the moment that you'd be saved from your sins, He gives you that joy. The person of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell, comes to live within you, and your sins are forgiven. You have a home in heaven and you have the experience of the joy of the Lord. Let us bow to the Lord in a word of prayer. And, and may you move as the Lord would have you to move as He deals with our hearts, with all heads bowed. Father, we do bow before Your presence tonight humbly. Father, we thank You so much for who You are. We thank you, Lord, for your eternal joy that you've promised to your children. We know it's right there with us to experience in all that we face in life. 
We love you tonight. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for the forgiveness that you offer. We thank you for the times that we can just come back to you and know that we will not be turned away from you. We thank you for being the Father you are and loving us the way you do. Lord, if there's one here tonight or, or several who do not know your saving grace and this joy that we've shared, Lord, we pray that you'd forgive them for their sins, that you'd make them a new creature, that they would trust you as Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, that they would pledge their lives to you, that we all would pledge our lives to you, that we would have the experience of this joy. Lord, search our hearts for whatever is hindering us from the greatest experience of this we can have. Make us better for it, Lord. We thank you for searching us with your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.